Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. Today's sponsor is Alley Oop. We all know how important moms are for our kids, but did you know that one of the biggest influences on a girl's confidence and self-esteem is her dad? So if her dad says she's smart or fearless at sports or she can do anything she puts her mind to, she believes him, maybe more than her mom? I don't know. The praise and confidence a girl gets from her dad stays with her for life. There's a startup out of LA that is focused on just that. Started by a mom, it's called Alley Oop, and it provides a collection of fun challenges and activities that are specifically designed for a dad and daughter to do together as a team. There are no materials required, and you can access all the challenges virtually through the Alley Oop app, which you can download from the App Store. Just search for Alley Oop, A-L-L-E-Y-O-O-P. It's early access only right now, but if you use the code BOOKMOM, capital B for book, capital M for mom, BOOKMOM, all one word, upon sign-in, your favorite dads and daughters can check it out for free. Angela DeTierlisi is the author of The Magical Yet. She is a mom, wife, and author who delights in writing rhythmic, charming picture books to be enjoyed and shared by both children and parents alike. Prior to her career as an author, Angela worked for over 15 years as a makeup artist, most notably in the film and TV and music industry. In 2013, her debut picture book, Say What?, appeared in over a million boxes of Cheerios as part of the General Mills Spoonful of Stories program. Her book, Some Bugs, which by the way, my kids love and we've had forever, had kids and critics buzzing and was chosen as one of BuzzFeed's best picture books of 2014. In spring of 2015, Angela celebrated the joys of a new baby in her picture book, Baby Love. She and her husband, who's also a best-selling author and illustrator named Tony DeTerlisi, live with their daughter and their dog in Amherst. Massachusetts. So welcome, Angela. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. And thanks also for writing The Magical Yet, which I just read again with my kids. And I said, what did you like about this? And my daughter, who's almost seven, said, I think it was really inspiring. So there you go. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) That is so great to hear. Tell her thank you so much. I will. (laughs) So can you tell listeners, please, what The Magical Get, this adorable, inspiring children's book is about, and also what inspired you to write this one? Sure. So The Magical Yet is a special companion that is with you when you're down and your dreams haven't come true, or you're upset by the things you can't do. If you've lost or failed or cried just a bit, you're fed up with waiting and ready to quit, your magical yet is with you. And your magical yet is kind of like your your coach, your teacher, your cheerleader, and supporting you along the way in, in when you're trying new things and having new adventures. You're gonna have yeah. to. You're gonna have to just rhyme the whole rest of our our chat here. <laughs> Only rhyming couplets, please, and nothing else is accepted. <laughs> That's how I pretty much hear everything in my brain. I think it's because I listened to so much Dolly Parton as a kid. I just hear, you know, all all my stories kind of come to me in rhyme. <laughs> Nine to Five was one of my favorite movies. Did you see Nine to Five with Dolly? Oh Parton? yes, yeah. of course, absolutely. I mean, the fact that you could be funny and beautiful and sarcastic and in charge. I mean, those were those were the icons that I remember, you know, growing up and, and seeing those women and being like, that's what I want to be like when I grow up. 
I was like, I don't want to be in an office. <laughs> That's like what exactly. I took away from that. That and working girl, I was like, yeah, I'm not thinking the cubicle life is for me. <laughs> same, same, absolutely. <laughs> and the the seed for the magical yet began when my daughter, who is now almost 13, was about nine years old and she was playing basketball on a team for the very first time. And her team had lost every single game of the season which is just so painful as a parent to see. And it was the very last game and she got the ball. And it was this slow motion moment in which the ball soared from her fingertips through the air and into the basket. And just as I cheered, I realized in that moment she had just scored for the other team. Oh, no. (laughs) It was crushing. And so the pep talk started immediately after getting in the car, leaving the game. And the words of Dr. Carol Dweck, who is a psychologist and professor from Stanford, who talks about the power of yet, kind of came to me and I thought, this is the thing. You are not there yet. You have not mastered basketball yet, but you will get better if you keep trying. In that same week, we had a studio assistant who worked with my husband and I. He's an author and an illustrator. And she was finishing up her senior year at college and she wanted to be a comic book artist. And she showed up one day having a complete meltdown because she couldn't draw hands. (laughs) And she said, I've thrown away my entire college career. How can I ever be a successful artist? I can't draw hands. So my husband gave her a book of drawing anatomy and sent her home and told her to draw 100 hands. And the conversation that we had was, you can't draw hands yet, but you will be able to and you'll get better. And those two things combined, and I'm really thinking about where a nine-year-old was at, where a 22-year-old was at. And myself, as a 47-year-old, sometimes we have to be often reminded that we're just not there yet. It's true. This is a timeless message. (laughs) Because giving up is just so much easier than than keeping going. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's timeless. And right now it feels extremely timely as well, because there's just so many things we can't do yet. You know, and we're having those conversations too. You know, we're not returning to life as it used to be yet, where, you know, our daughter is not back at school yet. You know, people can't go back to work yet. So that has been something that I need to, again, remind ourselves of often and and became quite timely in this conversation. It's true. I feel like one of my kids' schools in particular, that is one of their sort of mantras is always adding yet onto the end of a sentence. So when I saw your book, even the title of it, I was like, ah, Yes. (laughs) This is like preaching to the choir here. But it is. It's such a good message. And it's not your first children's book. And I realized that we have two of your other books that I have read countless times. The one about the cows going moo and what's it called? Say what? Say what? Yes, (laughs) I love that with the the cow-shaped clouds and the tweeting birds and how you don't know what animals are thinking. And they could be saying a whole different range of things. (laughs) Yes, yes. That was actually my first picture book that I ever wrote, which was also inspired by my daughter. So I feel like becoming a parent became a wealth of inspiration for me as an author, considering I had a whole nother life in a career where I was a makeup artist. Really? I was actually going to ask you how you got into this and what you, if you wanted to do this from the start or how you got it. So tell me what, what happened to you. 
Backing up, I worked for 15 years, about 15 years as a makeup artist when we lived in New York. I worked on the Today Show. I worked on Saturday Night Live. I worked with a lot of musicians and politicians and celebrities. And it was actually 9-11 that we decided to relocate out of the city. I was working on the Today Show that morning and it was so stressful and so anxiety producing. And I just thought, I, I can't go in and have this experience every single day. So we relocated to Amherst, Massachusetts. And as I mentioned, my husband's a children's book author and there's a huge community of children's book authors and illustrators. And we're just down the street from the Eric Carle Museum of Picture Book Art and just a great literary legacy within this community. And I joked that, you know, I moved to to a town where no one wears makeup, so I had to find a new job, (laughs) (laughs) which is a joke. I have a lot of friends here who wear makeup, but I realized quickly I wasn't going to be commuting the three hours into the city. And it was after our daughter was born that I wrote my first manuscript and I showed it to my husband and he said, this is really good. I I think we should show it to the publisher, to Simon & Schuster. And so I showed it to our publisher at the time and they showed it to an editor and didn't mention that I was Tony's wife and they decided to purchase the manuscript. So I, yeah. And I, I just kept going and kept writing. And so here we are 10 books later and yeah, I'm continuing to, to keep writing and get inspiration even in times like this when it's challenging to be creative. So actually, you'll have to give me advice. I sold a, a two-book deal to Penguin Random House for Children's Books also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're Congratulations. Thank you. So I wrote the first one, but now I have to write the second one. And now I feel like, how did I even write the first one? <laughs> and you've you written know, 10, so. <laughs> every single time, I have that same reaction. It's like, you know, how did I do this? How did I get here? Why am I doing this? Does anybody want to read it? Is it terrible? I feel like I I recognize that that is part of my process too. So it's just about digging into the work and thinking about, you know, the original seeds of inspiration that got you to that first book. And it's like learning how to do, once you have a recipe for something, you know, you can change it up, you can add some different ingredients, but it's all there. You've got it. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to say something that you can't do yet, that you need the encouragement of that magical yet for, what would it be? Mm. So as, as we talked about, all of my picture books are in rhyme. And so the thing that I've been challenging myself to do is to write a picture book that's not in rhyme. So that's what I am doing right now. And I'm going to be collaborating with my husband on that. And it's funny because I feel really comfortable on this path of like, this is how I've done things. This is how I know it's done now. I know part of my process is that insecurity, but I could always hear the rhythm in my my head and writing in rhyme. And now I don't have that safety net. And so when you don't have that safety net, how does that feel? Well, it's really scary, but that's okay. I've been there before too. So that's the thing I'm having to remind myself of my, of my yet is writing a manuscript, not in rhyme. There you go. How about not I'm playing about, ukulele? I'm learning I, ukulele too, right? Now. Awesome. I was going to say non-book related. There you go. <laughs> I actually, I interviewed Roz Chast and her co-author, who I'm blanking on her name, about a book they had done. They both came with their ukuleles and played on the show because I guess they like have this little ukulele band that they take all over the place. So you know what? You can go far with a ukulele career. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. I feel like I've seen so many ukuleles and sourdough starters in my social media feeds right now. Totally. I know. I'm like, I'm just not going to get to the sourdough. I'm just not. <laughs> no, no I feel like I'm not either. My, my baking has has leveled off. I feel like I was doing a lot of baking at the beginning and now, I don't know, maybe because my clothes are barely fitting. <laughs> I've, right. told, I, I've stepped away from the baking. Yeah, about you? <laughs> well, and I was following Christina Tossi of, of Milk Bar fame yes. and she's doing a baking club every day at 2 p.m. And I started following along and I was baking things and everything tasted amazing and delicious. And I had made things that I'd never made before. And then I realized, okay, time to take a break. Roll, roll back on the <laughs> butter, flour, and sugar. <laughs> there is something really nice. It's the same feeling of getting, reading a children's book and like getting your hands in the sugar. There's something so satisfying and like emotionally fulfilling about both of those that like take me back to being a kid. I don't know. I feel like whenever I bake, it's me pretending I'm like a kid with my mother or something. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's comfort and nostalgia and sweetness and connection. And yes, I feel the, the same way. Crazy. So what is it like being married to someone who is also in the same exact creative field as you? I mean, that's a, like, there aren't that many. I can think of some couples I know who are both authors of like literary fiction or things like that, but two children's book authors, what's that like? Well, we've been together for 27 years. So I can't imagine my life being any other way. And it is for, for both of us being with our best friends, our support system. Tony is my first line of editing, of connection, of his opinion. I trust it more than anything. I wouldn't be in this career path if it wasn't for Tony, because I feel like in observing his career, I got this amazing masterclass in writing books for children. We we haven't really collaborated a whole lot prior to the book we're working on before. It was difficult for me sometimes in the beginning because I thought, how could I be an author when we already have a, you know, number one New York Times bestselling author illustrator in the house? I he set the bar extremely high. But, you know, we would discuss that along the way and just say, you know, my path is my own, my challenges are my own, and my accomplishments are my own to experience. And we were going to be there for one another throughout that entire process. But, you know, we both love children's book art. We both love reading children's literature. So it's also, you know, it's like walking out of a movie with your best friend and you immediately start talking about all the things that you liked and all the things that you critique and criticize. We, we are that for each other every day. Oh, that's so nice. That also makes me very nostalgic for going to movies with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, wouldn't that Remember be nice? Remember back in the day when we sat in theaters and had soda <laughs> pop and popcorn? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and does your daughter get inspired by all the stuff you guys are doing? Yeah, she absolutely gets inspired by all the stuff that we're doing. I mean, we are just a creative household. We were speaking with somebody last night who is also a creative he's a screenwriter that we're working with and he said sometimes it can actually be a little challenging for our kids to wrap their heads around the idea that we get paid to do this thing that we love so much that takes place in our house. You know, when I was a kid, we always equated like your parents leave for eight hours a day and this is how much they get paid an hour and that's why they're gone. And when they come home, 
the paycheck is equated to that time. We don't have that. So, you know, that is, it's sometimes difficult to kind of set the limits of like, okay, I'm going to work a little bit. And, you know, we're going down to the studio. Tony has a studio downstairs. I have one upstairs. But, you know, she is super, super creative. She loves to make stuff. She loves nature. She loves animals. So we are always making things. I feel like that's kind of the go-to of of self-expression and of, of boredom is, you know, taking a break and just sitting around and making stuff together. And what kind of stuff do you like to read when you're not writing children's books? <laughs> so the funny thing is, I was always a very reluctant reader before the term reluctant reader when I was a kid. I had, uh, I didn't grow up in a house reading a lot of books. I didn't have parents who were modeling, sitting down reading for pleasure. And so when I went into middle school, I got really frustrated because I loved illustrations and books. And those were, were waning, those kind of islands of taking a break in the middle of a bunch of words were gone. And so, you know, I was being forced to read books like Where the Red Fern Grows and Flowers for Algernon and The Outsiders and just these really traumatic stories that, you know, I just I, I just thought I don't I wasn't just a non-reader. I was an anti-reader. I thought, why would anybody want to read this stuff? Why do you want to what do you want to read about gang violence? And so I really didn't read a whole lot from my teen years on. And it wasn't until I met Tony that I kind of rediscovered this literary childhood. But even now, I tend to, I'm drawn to books with illustrations in them. I love reading books, graphic novels. I love reading picture books. I love reading art of books. I do love reading right now on my bedside table is Pretty Mess, the autobiography of Erica Jane, the real housewife of Beverly Hills. So it definitely makes for an interesting mix of books. But picture books are definitely my go-to because I'm such a fan of words and pictures together. There is something very special about that combination and (laughs) something that makes it very easy to remember as opposed to the eight bazillion other books. (laughs) I don't know. A picture can just, at least for me, I feel like I'm very visual. It can take me right back. So. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're such, you're such a huge reader and, you know, uh, moms don't have time to read. I, I just felt like moms don't have time to write. I'm just trying to figure out that time to, you know, make space for, for work time, creative time, family time, self time. I feel like, especially now in this day of social media, it makes us even more aware of the things that we're not doing for ourselves, each other, and our families. So it's just trying to parse out some balance in that in, for myself. Yes, that is a huge challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I feel like I don't have time to do anything, or I'm doing a lot of things, but I feel like I'm not doing hardly any of them well anymore, <laughs> especially now. You know, like everything is quick and rushed, and I'll do this and I'll do that, and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I long for the time when I could, like, sit with a book and finish it and write up thoughtful questions. And, like, now I'm, like, lucky if I read half a book. <laughs> but whatever. Well, because I feel like the messaging right now is, like, well, you have all this time at home, you know. But for someone like you or someone like me who, in addition to doing our job, is also creating content in this time, it's not really free time. We don't really – I don't really have a whole whole lot of free time. It, it's exciting because it now is 
challenging us to connect in many different ways, but it's not necessarily free time in that time. Right. And you collaborate with your husband on on Facebook, not story time. What's draw time? What, how would you? Yes. <laughs> draw time. Yes, it's called Drawn to Fantasy every afternoon. Well, we've been doing kind of just, I guess it's almost like a visual podcast in a way. So he's drawing and sketching and we're talking about books and reference and it's interactive since we're doing it live. We're talking with fans um, and other artists. And so we are just having giving offering a glimpse into our creative space so i think that's the thing that we thought we could do at this time that's the thing that's been making me feel better in this is being of service and just saying you know what can i do for others to kind of share a little bit of what we do that's great i know you've already included advice here for aspiring authors but if you had one final piece of advice maybe something that can help people get to there yet, what what would it be? Mm. I would say you're never too old to, you'll, you'll never forget your yet. Your yet is always with you. And I think back to the places that were always the most challenging for me, the places that were the most difficult, the places where I thought I was up against, you know, challenges that I could never overcome. And here I am and I've made it through them and past them. So don't give up and know that there's always a place beyond where you are right now. And, you know, if you're an aspiring author, don't be afraid to put your creativity down. Don't be afraid to tap into your innermost emotions, thoughts, and feelings, and just put it down, even if it just begins for yourself alone. And without the pressure of thinking, this is something I have to share with the the greater world. That's great advice. Well, thanks, Angela. Thanks for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books and sharing your story and all of your stories with the world. So thanks. Thank you so much, Zibby. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks to today's sponsor, Ali Oop, A-L-L-E-Y-O-O-P. Check it out at the App Store and start bonding with dads and daughters right away for free with code BOOKMOM, B-O-O-K, capital B, M-O-M, capital M, if that makes sense, BOOKMOM. <laughs> Thanks for checking it out. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.